On this week's episode, Netflix sounds off on its latest Tadum. The end of an era for Star Wars. And what did the Jetsons get right and wrong at 60? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break, plus our great friends at the Happy Hoarder, PopCultureCosmos.com, and everything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, where we play hundreds of hours of tabletop RPG games, actions, Dungeons and Dragons, and the like. So check it out today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, and while you're there, like us so you can get the latest notifications on when we go on the air with our latest games. Plus, on top of that, just like a cherry on top of a nice, beautiful ice cream sundae, you get the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day right there at Facebook on Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you like all that, and you go ahead and support all that, and if you really go ahead and give the thumbs up to all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Tadum of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Of course, everything that he's doing for the Happy Hoarder, which you can go ahead and like today on Facebook at the Happy Hoarder. Plus, also as well, his great show, the Super BS Gamescast, and of course, his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? What's good, man? How you doing? I'm all right. Just wanted to go ahead, if I can, for a second. Indulge me here just for a second. Wanted to go ahead and wish our longtime sponsor, Retro City Games. I know they just opened up a great new place. Their future is so bright. They just celebrated last night their eight-year anniversary. Dang. Yep, they had a great party last night. It was a great time for everyone out there. I had a chance to speak to Doug at length and Antonio at length and everybody there. My congratulations to both Nicole and Doug on eight years of just truly fantastic Retro City Games stuff. They've got two great locations here in Las Vegas. The future seems to be endless for them, and I'm so happy for them. And again, if you are in the Las Vegas area and you are looking for a video game or video game system from the past, Retro City Games is the place to go. It was just so awesome because to see where they've been, to see where they are now, it's just so tremendous. I actually was remarking to Douglas that half of his wall on one side of his store now is more games than he actually had in his original store the first time I walked in it. I remember when he, you know, when we first started like associating with them and like it, their store, 
like it, there's there's a lot of things in the store but i mean now like starting at nothing and building an empire type of thing and anyone who is looking to outmaneuver the online retail doug is a true inspiration and he's a true like success story for anyone trying to do that absolutely he is and he's trying to keep virtually all of his focus on the video game scene and the retro video game part of it and yeah he does have a little bit of this as far as pop culture collectibles but mainly what he does is he resells and buys and trades for video games and just to see the type of inventory that he has after all these years and what he's been able to focus on there's no one better in las vegas for retro video games yeah amen we've had some good times out there absolutely we have and i'm hoping for many more at retro city games but it's going to be a great show that we have for everyone out there today got a lot on tap including tadam that's right netflix had its latest video presentation on what's coming up in the near future did we like what we saw and after it do we actually think that netflix is still as strong as ever or maybe are there some cracks within the titanic known as netflix we'll talk about that coming up on the show plus also as well the latest box office and don't worry darling how well did it do don't worry darling it still got number one but what has josh's ire in regards to the box office we'll talk about that coming up on today's show plus also as well it's part two of our fall movie preview where we cover some movies in the november all the way to the end of the year Plus a late edition, which we got to update you on, which was just dropped from Apple TV+. Plus. We'll talk about that coming up on the show. Darth Vader has been one of the most important villains in pop culture history. We're going to talk about how Star Wars history is going to forever change because of what was talked about and what was reported on this weekend with the retirement of the great James Earl Jones. We'll talk about that coming up on the show Plus, meet George Jetson. Did you know the Jetsons turned 60? My gosh, 60 years old. That's a property that I never, you know, I, it's it's hard to believe. Because remember, they did a live action Flintstones. And that yes. was, you know, that came out to like eh, reviews. But like, it surprises me that they never did anything like that with the Jetsons. You know, and I know for a while they're like it's a little bit more costly than the than the Flintstones, right? But it just like it seems primed for something like that, you know, like a, a nice that. family outing. Do, 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 well, the Jetsons has turned sixty, and on the show we're going to be talking about what they got right and what they got wrong, and the legacy that the Jetsons has left behind. We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is Netflix is to dumb. Netflix is still 220 million subscribers strong. They are still numero uno that's out there. They're still the best of the best. And they did showcase what is upcoming in the near and the little bit distant future as far as what's coming up for the rest of this year and a little bit of what's coming up next year. The big name stuff that they're looking forward to showcasing off next year. Enola Holmes 2, Gal Gadot's Heart of Stone, The Witcher Season 3. They talked about the Glass Onion movie that's coming out. That's the actual sequel to Knives Out. 
talked about season four, the manifest and that final year that they gave a reprieve to after it got canceled on NBC. It was so huge on Netflix. They talked about the game of Thrones showrunners, their new show, the three body problem, which is coming out next year. They talked about a ton of stuff, but not as much as I really wanted them to talk about. And the diversity and sheer volume of what they could have showcased wasn't as much as previous years. First off, what did you like about Netflix's to them? And what did you really think really showcased well? Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Let me know some of the things that you liked about what went on with Netflix's to them. So, you know, surprisingly, I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro, but I don't really have any interest in watching Pinocchio. Okay. Well, it has a real chance to shine after the really raked over reviews for the Disney Plus version. So it has a chance to really do something well. Right. And who knows? I mean, maybe I'll I'll sit down and watch it eventually. I I do want to watch the Knives Out sequel. Looks cool. Really digging the Witcher prequel. Like that was something that... Blood Origin. Yeah, it looks really great. Like I love anything Michelle Yao's in, like I'll eat it up. You know, she's yes. amazing. Everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, everything everywhere all at once. I remember have you the seen first... it? I have not seen it. I've... Every time I go to Redbox, I try to like see it, but it's always sold out. So I might just stream it on uh, the Xbox somehow. I just I, I need I need time to sit down and watch movies is what I need. But um I would suggest it. That would be one of the first on my list. That's all yeah. I'll say. So I, I remember like as a kid, I, I think I was like eight, and uh, you know what? We went to Blockbuster, me and my parents, oh, and uh, everyone's talking about how great Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was. So we got that, and I just remember being mesmerized by Michelle Yao's performance in that movie. Like it was just spectacular. Everything about it was just spectacular. Well, there's still a ton of stuff. The School for Good and Evil, Outer Banks, season three. There's uh, still some great stuff on there, and of course, they showed you clips of what is upcoming next year, including Stranger Things. And, of course, The Witcher, like I mentioned before, all their heavy hitters that they have. I just don't feel that they overloaded you in the past. And maybe that's a good thing. Well, yeah, it is. But also with Netflix stuff, there's always good trailers out there. You know, there's always you always see these trailers or stuff coming out on Netflix. And you're like, oh, that looks cool. But how much of that stuff do you actually sit down and watch? Well, I tell you what, for me, when I sit down and watch, I, I don't see as much as I think that I want to see from them. I mean, I just finished off binging the latest season for Cobra Kai. I know that's a priority for me each and every year. Now there's talk that they may delay the next season of Cobra Kai, even though it's the number one show on Netflix right now, simply because of the fact that the showrunners are so busy with their other side projects. So that is of concern to me in regards to that, as far as just because they're now... Yeah. They've got themselves spread out now amongst these all these other projects that what's going to happen right. with Cobra Kai. Especially have you noticed? Oh, sorry. Have you noticed that, like, speaking of to like Cobra Kai, look at Cobra Kai, Haunting of Hill House or whatever it is. Anytime a show finds success on Netflix, Netflix immediately hires the showrunners to do that show plus like three other projects. It seems like it, doesn't it? I mean, we yeah. we talk, we see the Game of Thrones showrunners doing that new series coming up that they're working on. So I don't know, man. It just seems very good for Netflix. It doesn't seem as good. To me, it seems like there's some cracks showing. Obviously, the decision that was made earlier this year in regards to what their financial troubles at the time where they talked about how they weren't bringing in as much as they, they once were the 220 million subscribers, which 
seems to me like they plateaued. They're trying to find new sources of revenue with the ad tier that they're going to go ahead and, and offer to consumers to see if people will go ahead and bite on that. But it seems to me that Netflix is still the number one that's out there, but that gap is closing with Disney Plus prioritizing a lot of content with HBO Max prioritizing some content with Game of Thrones, but even them, they've had a hard year with the, all the financial decisions that they've made with Paramount Plus just lurking around somewhere in the corner there with all the good stuff that they have. It just seems to me that it's no longer just Netflix and everyone else. Netflix, though, is the archetype. Like they're the godfather of all these streaming services out there. Like people saw what Netflix did. And, and I'm surprised that Netflix. Actually, I'm not surprised because if you think about it, you know, they were the archetype and then everyone saw how successful they were. And so they started producing their own streaming content. But unlike Paramount Plus or Amazon or whatever, they don't have the financial backing that a lot of these other streaming services do. So I, I see why they're still in debt. There's so much out there to stream. And you're right. Paramount Plus does have some gems in there. Like Texas Six is really good. People still watch Halo for some reason. You know, there's Star Trek and all these other, right? Star Trek's on Paramount Plus, isn't it? Yep, all the Star Trek shows, some great stuff. Yeah. Strange yeah, New Worlds is awesome. A lot, a lot of hidden gems, you know, and I, I wonder if we're going to reach a point where, like, these other streaming services are just putting out as many things as they can and where we stop looking at quality over quantity. I don't know. I'm just imagining a future where these services start just eating themselves. At some point that they might, uh, I know we've already seen some, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, casualties of this streaming war already. We've already seen some other smaller streaming services or ones that were hopefuls that wanted to go ahead and showcase themselves. Unfortunately, they have fallen by the wayside, but the studio supported ones for now, including Peacock, which we always tease about, are still up and running at as of this point in time, but I, I do see a future where it becomes a little bit more even out on the playing field. Amazon, you know, with Lord of the Rings, which we'll talk about here uh, coming up in a bit. I, that show has helped propel Amazon into the limelight as a streaming service, getting people more in the mindset of that, plus the terminal list, the boys, and so much more. So there are a lot of things that Netflix is still doing right, but They've got to keep on their toes because if they don't, there's so many different streaming services that are nipping at their heels that could eventually catch up with them. Disney Plus is most likely the one that might do it. Yeah, yeah. And Disney Plus is they're they're a great example of like quantity over quality, right? They're just pumping yeah. as many things out as they can. I can't remember a single thing that that's come out that people have been like, wow, this is this is really great. I've just heard of a bunch of like, eh, it, it was okay. It was something to watch. Again, for me, I thought the latest season of Cobra Kai was a pretty darn good one. Actually, is it something I think people need to catch? Stranger Things came out to pretty good reception as it goes into its final season next year. But The Gray Man was okay. It was a great popcorn flick, but I don't know if you want to spend $200 million on a popcorn flick. I think some of the other movies that come out, they just come out for a little while. Okay. All right. Their overseas offerings with Squid Games and those shows have resonated week after week on Netflix. Those charts, the stuff that they're getting from Korea, from Spain with Money Heist, they've really seemed to hit a niche there that other channels, other streaming services 
haven't yet really been able to feast on. That, I think, is one of the differences between them because of the fact that they've been able to reach out to an international audience the way no other streaming service has. You know what? Like, I noticed that people do really love the Korean shows. Like, it's it's a market that I didn't, would never even thought about being, like, interesting. But also, like, I don't go out of my way to watch a lot of, like, foreign things. So, I mean, I've, I've sat down and watched a couple of these shows. And, yeah, I can see why people like these. You know, and now, you know, Netflix seems to be reaching out to um, showing Indian movies and they're doing a really great job at that. You know, it's like this is this is content that they don't have to put a production budget in place for. They just have to, like, offer to put it up on the platform. You know, it's kind of like a easy way to get subscribers for them. Well, again, like I said, they do have squid games that came out to such acclaim earned emmys it is actually the most popular series on the streaming service extraordinary attorney woo which has been such a big success for them they've done such a great job with going ahead and promoting that series as it comes out as a top show week after week the Dahmer series that they've got that's something i think a lot of people are going to be looking at as far as the Dahmer presentation on netflix so a lot of stuff is still going on on Netflix. It is still putting out more content than everybody else. But again, I think because of the budgetary cutbacks and the things went on, especially in the animation department, they've had a lot of cutbacks there and layoffs. I still think that they're number one, but that gap is closing with everybody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes, man. I mean, you know, like we've talked about before, there's so many streaming services out there how long until people just go back to their normal cable packages exactly indeed but what are your thoughts out there on netflix after its latest to dumb presentation which included showcases of the latest sequel to knives out of course the witcher 3 enola holmes 2 so much more even had special sneak peeks of what's coming up in the future with stranger things wednesday from the Adams family that is coming up in November they had a little sneak peek at that manifest and so much more if you really enjoyed what went on with Netflix's to them or didn't let us know pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com big on America hey guys this is Jason Dutch with dig on America podcast and I'm here with big hops and I'm also here with Mikey Famine. Big on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Big on America. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's show. Number one at the box office this week. Don't worry, darling, because don't worry, darling, did make it to number one at the box office with right around $20 million here at the U.S. box office. Your man, James Cameron, with Avatar and the re-release of that. I am surprised. It kind of, for me, disappointed And I shouldn't say that, really, because, I mean, any money right now that Avatar earns, it's just found money. To me, it's all extra on the table. But that, unfortunately, is not going to do as well as I thought it would. I think it's going to only get around $10 million this weekend at the U.S. box office. But your thoughts on this, my friend? I know you had some 
pointed words on your social media in regards to Avatar and James Cameron. I know that, of course, this Avatar re-release is just a two-hour commercial for the Avatar sequel coming up here in December. Your thoughts on the box office with the controversial Don't Worry Darling heading out on top with $20 million. Well, Don't Worry Darling clearly came out on top because of the controversy. Right. Even I looked at my news feed yesterday and it was all just comments on Don't Worry Darling. Right. And all the yeah. stuff between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh, I think her last yeah, Florence Pugh. Yes. And Harry Styles. I don't know. There's just so much of it. And it's all like all the actors have such contradicting things. It makes me wonder if it is even real. You know, you never know. You never know with Hollywood these days. You never know. It works in pro wrestling. It, exactly. Exactly. As for the Avatar re-release, I, I tell you, man, like I... I feel bad saying this, but I feel really good that this did not do well because James Cameron is, he is an amazing filmmaker, but the guy is just so full of himself. And I hate that he keeps cheating the box office numbers by re-releasing movies over and over again. If It seems like he re-releases Titanic every year and then he sits there and he brags about how great his movies are, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know any other filmmaker that does that. Any other filmmaker is sitting there going, wow, I really hope people like this. And James Cameron's like, I'm going to release a movie in 10 years and people are going to love this thing. It's going to be the greatest thing ever made. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, there you go. But he is someone that's very proud of his work. In fact, he was quoted recently as far as how good the re-release of Avatar actually looks on screen. And of course, you know, when you see it on IMAX and all that, if you are going to the theaters, I would suggest to go ahead and re-see it on an IMAX screen because obviously that's originally what it was meant for in the first place. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to probably have to go see it just because the fact the girls want to go ahead and check it out. They've never seen it on screen before. I'm not exactly thrilled by it. Outside of, like I said before, an outstanding performance from Stephen Lang who actually just keeps the movie flowing. Oh, he's there great. was really, yeah. yeah, he was absolutely terrific in it. But for me, it's just like everything else was just there. And of course, you know, if you enjoy the special effects of that time, it's now just the run of the mill today. But yeah, okay, I think they wanted to go ahead and check it out simply because of the fact that they enjoy the series a lot more than I do and they've never actually seen it on screen. So I'll go ahead and check it out one more time before the sequel comes up here in December. And I know this is just basically what this is for it's a two-hour commercial for the upcoming sequel oh for sure and let, let me ask you this okay like 11 years ago avatar came out so how much of that do you think is going to translate to a modern audience i will not underestimate i will not ever underestimate avatar again because i know that i always refer to rob mccallum's statement that Avatar never really has held a cultural footprint with pop culture fans because it seemingly doesn't do anything well outside of the actual re-release. Yeah, it's a digital spectacle, but it doesn't do really anything as far as sell any extraneous stuff. Nobody runs around for years afterwards with Avatar hats or t-shirts no, or action figures, nothing. Action figures, video games. They're going to do another video game on it, but I really don't have any high expectations on it being a great seller. I just don't see that there's that much of a a as as Rob says a cultural footprint that's left behind. People just go see the movie and that's it. 
that that's where they're able to go ahead and, and distance themselves from Avatar after that. So I will never yeah. underestimate, especially to an international audience. To an international audience, this is the I think one of the largest, if not the largest, box office drawing movie ever. So I think that this will do outstanding international, overseas, through all the different markets. I think Avatar translates very well. Here in the States, it's always touch and go, but I still think it's going to have a very strong opening in December. So how, how much of the uh, lack of cultural footprint, though, do you think is due to the fact that Fox did not really do a great job of marketing it? You know, they there were no action figures. There were some T-shirts, but there were no action figures or no... I, think I remarked to Melinda the other day, I said that when I was running the Halloween stores in the earlier part of last decade, 2011, 2012, 2013 those avatar costumes were clearanced. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted to have anything to do with the Navi at that point in time. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's just it, the, I don't know. It wasn't merchandised. Well, Disney though, how, how do you think Disney is going to handle that though? Like, I feel like Disney is going to merchandise the, the, you know, living daylights out of it. Oh, I wouldn't question that. My friend, I wouldn't question that at all. I think that's something that is going to happen really really well i think it's going to be something that's going to be promoted a lot better this time around i think the disney machine because the fact that they can consider avatar now under their wing and the fact that it is the highest grossing movie sorry avengers endgame i wish you were number one <laughs> but you're no longer number one and you're not going to be number one anytime soon still number uh, one in your heart so right yeah oh absolutely absolutely but yeah it, with Avatar being the highest grossing movie of all time, I think that there is no doubt that they're going to go ahead and put the financial weight and the marketing weight behind the Avatar Way of Water sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, this is not to say it's not going to be a good movie, but I just I feel like there's so much writing on this being a good movie that if even one or two bad reviews get out, it could very well destroy the entire franchise oh i think it will get some bad reviews when it comes out i think it will get some negative reviews just because like you said there's some individuals out there that do not like james cameron and will not see this thing impartially that's upcoming i just really think that there's a little bit of a bad taste for some of those people that like yourself just really have tired of james cameron's act and the fact that he you know he's thought so highly of himself but when you make those movies such as titanic and avatar that have reached such wide acclaim and box office acclaim it's really hard not to get full of yourself and really not that hard to be very confident in what you can do and what you can produce for people out there when you're given so much leeway after achieving so much success yeah yeah so that's that's very true. That's very true. So in, in essence, we created James Cameron. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is only a byproduct of the success that he has achieved. Now, is he different than the guy who directed Aliens 2 and some of the other stuff that he did earlier in his career, all the stuff that he worked on? Yeah, I'm sure he is much different than the individual than he is now. But still, when you achieve that kind of success with Titanic and with Avatar, I mean, you deserve to show off a little confidence. You deserve to go ahead and prop yourself up and prop up the stuff that you do. I really think that, yeah, I, I'm kind of defending him in a way, but you're right. I do think he does put himself out there a little bit too much. But again, when you make 
billion dollar movies, or in this case, two billion dollar movies, you kind of can go ahead and toot your own horn. I I know, but I'm just saying, like a little humility goes a long way with audiences, though. Well, look at the Russo brothers. Look at the Russo brothers. You know, they they worked on two of the the biggest superhero properties of all time, in Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. And ever since then, they've been able to do all these things that they want to do, but it's, it will never achieve the same kind of success that what they achieved with the Avengers movies. So in a sense that they're similar to what James Cameron's doing, except for the fact that they've been they able don't. to tell. Yeah, but they haven't achieved it because they went on to do different things, whereas James Cameron right. is staying in his wheelhouse. Had Had the Russo brothers stayed in their wheelhouse with the Marvel movies, they could have befallen the same type of fate. Right. But the Russo brothers have didn't they didn't stand out there and go, I I made the best movie ever made. Like that that was a <laughs> they've yet to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Has he actually said those words? Pretty close. Pretty close. Okay. Pretty close. I, all right. Yeah. I mean well, I mean, he was patting himself on the back for the re-release of Avatar. I'll I'll just leave it at that. But your thoughts out there, everyone, on this weekend at the box office. Again, don't worry, darling, with all the controversy behind the scenes, director Olivia Wilde has created a number one box office movie. It is out there. It is earning okay reviews. People need to check it out. Uh, actually, as far as from a fan's perspective, it is not achieving the same kind of results from a critical perspective. It's actually, I believe, at 48 on Metacritic. That's how I reported on on Friday. So, I don't know. The, there's a lot of mixed reception for it, but if you want to see what all the controversy is about, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Let us know if you enjoyed the movie. I know the ending, I think, is a, to a lot of people is what really is the argument, I think, was all about in regards to this. All the behind-the-scenes stuff, everything that went on. So please let us know if you want to go ahead and check out Don't Worry Darling and your thoughts on Avatar. Are you done with Avatar? Are you going to go ahead and check out the re-release? Are you going to go ahead and check out the sequel? And do you think James Cameron is a little bit full of himself? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. We're back for the back half of the show, my friend, and it's Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Let's go into our fall movie preview. Let's finish off the year. Let's go ahead and talk about the movies that are coming up for the rest of the year but i do want to make an interjection on something we talked about last week in regards to part one we did not know and wouldn't you know apple tv plus the day after we went live with our show decided to go ahead and we'll drop spirited which is a musical based off of a christmas carol with will ferrell and ryan reynolds that will be hitting theaters november 11th just before it shows up on Apple TV Plus a week later. So I wanted to give everybody the heads up on that because that covers the time frame at the end of what we were talking about on that show. So I wanted to go ahead and hit everybody up on that. But my friend, 
I know after Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, there's still movies that are going to come out that I know a lot of people are liking. When it comes to a lot of movies that you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of movies that are in limited release. And that tells me that there's now a formula. Put them out only in theaters for a limited amount of time and get them straight to streaming. Your thoughts on this new mindset for what we're seeing as we headed to the last part of this year in our box office preview. You know, I think it's a couple things. One, it's it's expensive and it's risky to put a movie out in, you know, wide release unless it's a, you know, a, a guaranteed box office hit, you know, unless it belongs mm-hmm. to a franchise or has the backing of a major studio. Otherwise, I think it's too expensive. So you have these people that do limited releases and yeah, like they go straight to streaming service and that creates more of a return on their on their investment right because you're not limited to like we can't you know we have to wait so many months before we could put this movie out yeah. this creates you know it makes it easier for people to watch it makes films more accessible and to be honest like i really like that format you know because as much as i like going to the movies you go to the movies for the same experiences right you go for yeah. like the jurassic parks the superhero stuff so while being a filmmaker like an indie filmmaker is easier than it's ever been it's also more difficult because you have to do all the legwork yourself and i think that's where these streaming services become great tools for doing something like that it just bums me out that like now you know whereas like clerks 2 remember that got a very wide release but now kevin smith is only doing limited releases because he funds his own movies clerks 3 came out and just to little fanfare at the box office and like you said went more to a streaming format right away yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's got its it's got its positives and it's got its negatives. Uh, but that's just the way that it works now. You know, ever since I think COVID has forever left a mark on the way that movies are viewed and how they're viewed and how people make them. It really just has drastically shifted the landscape. It's also you, really you foresaw it, man. You foresaw it on this show. I did. I did. I called it. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like it, it does bum me out that I can't like go to the theaters to watch. Cause I remember when I worked at AMC, I think I was 16 when that came out or not came out when I worked at AMC. Sorry, I was 16 and every week or, or week or month or whatever, there was probably like five or six like indie films that would come out and people would come to the theaters to watch them. And you just get that. You get to experience movies the way that they're meant to be experienced. But now, you know, you do get to experience those films, but you don't get to have that like, I don't know, the like popcorn experience, I guess. And the next week, right after what we see with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that Sorry, next week. What, what date are we on? What are, where are we looking here? We're looking right at, well, just past November 11th, 2022. Okay. November 11th, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That's where we left everyone off last week. The week after, like you said, just a lot of smaller presentations. They're not competing with Black Panther. It isn't until the 23rd of November that the Disney adventure, the animated adventure, Strange World comes out along with the Fablemans as the two wide releases. The Fablemans is, I think, going to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to go ahead and win the Oscar. Simply that's because the it, Steven Spielberg one, right? That's correct. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. It is based very much on his earlier life with the whole getting into his fascination with film, the divorce of his parents, which has affected him throughout his life, which he has recreated on film time in and time out. It is really something that 
I think is going to be thought of very highly as far as the best of movies this year. Strange World is a Disney animated feature. And that gets me as far as not just the fact that they're putting this in the pre-Thanksgiving area, which has done really well for them with Encanto and some other stuff they've done previously. But it just seems to me now that Disney may be slightly prioritizing the Disney animation stuff over Pixar. Hmm? Well, I mean, look at the returns they've seen on Pixar things. Not exactly. Not Turning exactly. Red was huge, but it was huge on Disney+. Plus. Disney+. Lightyear was a bomb at the box office, but it was huge on Disney+. Plus. So, hmm. I think Disney's marketing Pixar wrong. It seems to me like that they are, my friend, because for some reason, their earlier success is not being translated onto a large screen. I know I've had conversations with my friend that works at Pixar, and there's just a sense, I think, from what I'm able to gather, is that they would like to be having all of their products go onto the big screen, but they're finding so much success now with their stuff on Disney Plus. It's looking more and more like all their stuff or a majority of their products will be going to Disney Plus straight up. Yeah, but uh, I mean, look at this before, though. You go to Disneyland, for example, and there'll just be Finding Nemo stuff everywhere to celebrate the release of Finding Nemo or Finding Dory. And now these Pixar movies come out and I don't even have, I don't even know that they come out. You know, I don't know that they come out until Disney. I turn on Disney Plus and see like, oh, hey turning reds up there what is that i don't know anything about it you know it's it's just there's not they don't market them they don't tell people that these movies are coming out they just kind of like squeeze them out and then hope that it sticks to something well turning red was a huge success for them earlier this year it's one of the most popular movies out on streaming so i think they've already got a model in mind for pixar which is a shame because while the disney animated movies that are not pixar are seemingly doing well and showcase like Strange World coming up in November. We're going to be seeing a lot more Pixar movies probably go straight to Disney Plus, which is great for Disney Plus viewers, but maybe not as great for those who want to see Pixar stuff on screen. So we'll see what happens. That could be changing, but you never know. All it takes is one big box office hit for a Pixar movie to go ahead and change that ideal, but we'll see what happens there. But heading into December, as we close out the year, my friend, Violent Night with David Harbour. David Harbour, who was recently announced as part of the the cast of what we see with the Thunderbolts, is going to play a Santa role, kind of another violent Santa per se, kind of interesting as it debuts in December 2nd. That's kind of interesting. Your thoughts on a violent David Harbour playing the role of Santa? This sounds so stupid, but I want to watch it so bad. I don't understand <laughs> it. Like, I'm looking at this poster, and he's got a candy cane in his mouth, like it's a you know, like a cigarette, and it's it looks so cool. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's may he's gonna have some like backstory, you know, or he's like a an ex military whatever, and he's gonna you know show these mercenaries. It's gonna be like Die Hard. I have a I have a feeling, except it's Santa Claus. Well, there you go. But for the rest of the month, we're going to see movies, I guess two kinds of movies, basically. Movies that are lining themselves up for an Oscar and Avatar. Because on December 9th, Brendan Fraser's acclaimed performance in The Whale, the latest movie from Darren Aronofsky, 
he is really been lauded for this role. I mean, it's already won acclaim at film festivals, the Toronto Film Festival. His, we talked about him getting into tears about how he was being acclaimed for it and the, the comeback with Brendan Fraser's complete. I see The Whale as a great performance for him as something that is going to be a showcase for his skills. A Man Called Otto the next week with Tom Hanks. It's also lining itself up to be a kind of a Oscar contender in many ways. But it isn't until the book, I think. Pardon? I said, I think A Man Called Otto is based on a book. I think I remember seeing that at Barnes & Noble. Yeah, and of course it does have Tom Hanks in it, which I think for Tom Hanks is going to be somewhat needed because he's been kind of some... I don't want to say uh, malign stuff with the Pinocchio, but his Geppetto role in Pinocchio didn't go over so well. His role as Colonel Parker went over a little bit better because Austin Butler's performance in Elvis was so tremendous, and a lot of people are lauding that performance. So A Man Called Otto could rebound a slight little bump in the road for Tom Hanks as he heads into what we see as a great limelight for his career Avatar The Way of Water, though, is on the 16th, my friend, and it's going to destroy everything else that's coming out in December. We all know about that. We all t- we already talked about that with Avatar, the original that's re-released right now. I mean, for what do you see? Do you see it getting $2 billion? Do you see it actually exceeding the results of the original Avatar? No, because people don't have the uh, excess finances that they did when the original Avatar came out. So I don't see people going to this movie for multiple viewings. It Will it cross a billion dollars? Yeah, I mean, in all reality, it probably will. But I don't see it going past $2 billion. That would be, unless it's like, they just leave it in theaters for months and months. But yeah, no, I, I don't see it crossing $2 billion. I do want to say that for the rest of the month, you've got, again, more movies that are coming out, which may earn some Oscar acclaim and some Oscar buzz, which is I Want to Dance with Somebody, which is a which is based off the life of Whitney Houston and that biopic. Also talking Babylon with Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie, who Margot Robbie is in a lot of stuff that's coming up. The Barbie movie, Amsterdam, a lot of stuff that she's doing. Women Talking with Rooney Mara. That's also being talked about as far as a possible Oscar buzz movie. I think there's there's just, again, there's also going to be more movies that are added on at the last minute for that Christmas release. If a studio has a movie that has that Oscar buzz, don't be surprised if they put it in limited release because the the uh, I guess you have to put it in New York and L.A. by Christmas in order to be eligible for the Oscars next year. That's all you have to do. So don't be surprised if you will see more movies drop for a Christmas release just for that type of fans word and trying to get some Oscar buzz. So don't be surprised if you see that, but that pretty much does it for the rest of this year. Again, it's pretty much avatar the way of water and everyone else. I don't think any of these other movies are looking or going to be looking to do primo box office outside of that outside of maybe Strange World. Maybe you can go ahead and say that there might be other movies that might make a little bit of here and there. But any last thoughts on the rest of the year for movies before we head on out? Yeah, a House Party remake? That movie's that's movie's sacred ground. Like, you don't touch... Actually, that was supposed to have been released earlier this year, but it got caught up in the Warner Brothers fiasco as far as mm-hmm. the financing and movies being cut. That was actually taken off the slate. This is a uh, production from LeBron James's company, so it was a remake 
like you said, of house parties. So they are touching my friend. Come on, man. Come on. How long have we been doing this show? You know, actually, they'll find every single IP property that was anywhere near successful in the 80s and 90s and go ahead and reboot it or remake it. You know, I know but there's Come like on. there's a difference. Come with, on. I mean, look at look at Cobra Kai though. Cobra Kai does it right. They're they're adding on to a sacred franchise. How this is a remake? Like that is a that's like I said, that's sacred ground, man. That was such like a a staple of the '90s. Like I don't know how you could remake that movie. They did. What do you mean you don't know how? They did. They will. They did. There is no property that is untouchable to Hollywood. Oh, You've learned a... this, my friend. I don't know why you keep talking yourself out of it. You've learned this, my friend. No property is untouchable. I know, I know. Actually, I think we talked about this a while back. Like they're thinking about remaking the Great Outdoors, and I'm like, that's a, such a sacred '80s movie. Like, why would you do that? It's perfect the way it is. Well, again, because they made money in the past. Hollywood does not have enough original ideas that resonates with audiences, so that's why they're doing it. I just think that. Again, what it's it's a safe it's a safe outlet for them to go ahead and put out new content under an, a guise of something that's familiar to audiences. And we talk about this every week about this being rebooted, this being remade. How does it look? I mean, we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings and seeing how that world's been expanded. I mean, we're talking about stuff with that's going on each and every week as far as something remade and re- rebooted. So, I mean, it, it's just not, it shouldn't be surprising to you anymore, my friend. It is sacrilege. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can think. <laughs> sacrilege indeed. But what are your thoughts on the movies coming out for the rest of the year? Do you think it's Avatar, The Way of Water, and everything else? But I'm still hopeful for good performances from Black Adam. Obviously, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The Fablemans. That looks to be a leading contender for the Oscars. The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Strange World, Disney's new animated feature. There's still a lot to choose from. So what are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, Lord of the Rings Episode 5 hit on Amazon Prime. Everybody's gearing up for a impending battle, which we're hopefully going to go ahead and see here in the next couple episodes, or at least before the season heads out. I think it's something that this was a kind of a more of a character building episode. I think it's uh, something that we're going to be going ahead and, and I, I like this. I like this as far as where they're building up to. Again, comparing this to Game of Thrones, I still find myself more interested in what I'm watching when it comes to Lord of the Rings. Remember, their boundaries on where they can go and what they can do are much more limited than what you see with Game of Thrones, where you could go ahead and put as much violence, debauchery, political intrigue, 
pretty much anything it goes when it comes to the Game of Thrones House of the Dragon prequel. When it comes to the Lord of the Rings prequel, they are limited by what they can do and what they can present because, again, it's also based off of the works of an individual, J.R.R. Tolkien, that allow you to go ahead and do as much as you can with the Game of Thrones. But I still think with what they're doing, they're doing a better job with Game of Thrones. But your thoughts on Episode 5 of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power? I liked it. I mean, it. it you, yeah, they did. They expanded or pushed the boundaries of what they're, I guess, what they can do. You know, you saw a lot of you saw the political intrigue building in this episode for sure. And then you saw they added their own backstory for the Silmarils at the uh, with the the elf and the the barlog fighting at the top of the Misty Mountains. Like it was cool. I did really I got a good chuckle out of the dwarf and the table scene like that was pretty funny. But it's fine. You know, like I just when the season's over is eight episodes. Am I right? Yes, right? I think that, it's eight okay. episodes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's eight episodes. And at the end of the season, it's still going to be shorter than like an actual trilogy of movies. So it kind of like, I don't know, maybe it'd been cool to see a movie, you know, movie versions of this. If Amazon would have put money into that instead of a show. But, you know, the past couple episodes, the pacing of the show became very apparent. But it's still moving forward it's moving forward at a good pace and you well, know, it didn't least to have the ending the cliffhanger ending that you always hate yeah yeah you know it, it seemed to be it's it's going places and it's got some intrigue in it you know and i'm like i'm curious like who's this elf turning into a dark lord character like what is he what is he who is he he's clearly not sauron because he made that old guy stab the young guy in order to because he's mad at him so i don't know I don't know, but I'm excited to see where it goes, you know, and by the end of the season, I think I'll have like a better view on, you know, what, what I want from this show. And the early days of Isildur, as you see him now, he's finally getting an opportunity to go ahead and prove himself because he did get himself on the ship when he was given every opportunity not to be on the ship. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how Isidore becomes a major part of the Lord of the Rings compendium, per se. So Did you catch that foreshadowing in there when his buddy's like, I hope that one day you find something that you will sacrifice anything for. And then I immediately thought about him not throwing the ring into the... Yes, I remember. Isildur! Isildur! You know, Hugo <laughs> Weaving still shouting that out. He's throwing into the fire. Exactly, exactly. And I want to go ahead and pay compliments to Elrond, the younger Elrond that they have performing in this series. I think he's doing a great job. I think him and his interaction with the dwarves, especially how the agreement over how Mithril will be shared between the dwarves and the elves and how he worked together with the dwarves to go ahead and create this trade when he was deceived by his own people and his own king in how it was approached. I really like the way that they're going ahead and doing that. I really think that that bond of friendship and the way Elrond is being portrayed in this series is a positive, and I really like what I see. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, that His character was kind of annoying to me at first, and then now he's kind of, he's grown on me. They've like, you can see that he's, you know, he's more than last episode. They made it seem like he was going to betray, you know, his buddy. But now, like you see, there's a lot more moral fiber to him than you once assumed. Absolutely. And because of that, he gets a chance and opportunity to save his people from having to go back 
to their lands and leave Middle Earth. He is actually responsible for that because of the way he actually interacted with the dwarves in this episode. So I'm really happy to see that Elrond is being portrayed very well in this series. But if you have thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Episode 5, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Two last items before we head on out, my friend, and a monumental part of our pop culture is actually retiring at this point in time. As this weekend, it was announced that James Earl Jones, at the tender age of 91, has signed over the rights of Darth Vader back to Lucasfilm. And what that means to everybody out there is that he is now given permission, full permission for lucasfilm to go ahead and repurpose all the voice work that he's done for future projects now it also may mean that there might get a voice actor at some point in time as well but most likely the first option is that they're going to try and recreate his verbiage that he's used over the years or any verbiage that he's recorded and use that first as far as upcoming things you want to put darth vader in as far as the star wars universe Tell me your thoughts on this. Obviously, James Earl Jones had to retire at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that their first option is to try and utilize his voice down the road, and that will always be the first option, seemingly, for Lucasfilm. Your thoughts on this before we head on out? I, it's weird to me because I didn't even know that he had sold. I, I mean, I didn't know that they couldn't repurpose his voice. You know, it's already in toys and merchandise. I, I had no idea. Well, no. they, and I think they tested it out. It was a Ukrainian company that actually uh, built the software involved, mm-hmm. and they've already tried it out already. And I think it's it was done to the liking so that this arrangement could be made. Yeah, yeah, and that that's I mean that's great. Yeah, he's he's ninety one. I always thought that he was continuing to do Star Wars stuff as like you know a favor to the fans. I didn't know that it was uh you know they couldn't just repurpose him. Well, seemingly it's going to be a long time. Still continue to hear upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe with Darth Vader in it, with James Earl Jones's voice attached to it. But I wouldn't be surprised at some point in time if they do add voice actors to reprise the role. But at least now it's going to be a point where, okay, you can only do so much repurposing and you have to get someone in there to do original work. I think it's going to be an inevitability at some point in time that you're going to have to bring someone else in, but at least it's not going to be now or in the near future, but at some point down the line, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the man's a legend, you know, and we, we wish him the best, obviously. And my thanks for all the things you've done for us fanboys. Absolutely. My thanks as well as one of the greatest movie villains of all time and one of the great icons of pop culture. And the fact that he's been able to voice this character all these years has been a blessing for all of us Star Wars fans. I'm hoping that we'll be able to hear his voice even in the coming years. I know they're going to try their very best to utilize AI technology to again repurpose his voice as best as they can but we'll see we'll see i know there's going to be a point that we're not going to be able to because they just will not be able to repurpose all that or they can only do so much but at least for now in the coming years we're going to be able to hear james earl jones's voice in the coming years and that's a good thing for star wars fans 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts out there on James Earl Jones finally retiring and putting up the helmet for Darth Vader? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, if you didn't know, this past week there was an anniversary of a much-beloved show that didn't get enough love, I guess, as far as from what I was reading out there, but it should have because the Jetsons reached 60, and I didn't read too much about it, which was kind of disappointing, but I know a lot of people know about it. I know a lot of people appreciate it over the years. A lot of people have seen the reruns over the years in syndication, and its vision of the future, I think, was way ahead of itself as far as <laughs> flying cars and the, the apartment buildings way up in the air. And there were parts of the Jetsons which obviously we have not been able yet to achieve in our culture and our society, but they got some things right as far as video conferencing. They've got some things right as far as automated equipment like vacuums and other household items around the house pushing the button and automating and setting up things around the house or setting up things as far as your communication are concerned. They've got some things right about that. But again, we still have a long way to go before we meet the entire universe of the Jetsons. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, the Jetsons, much like other science fiction shows, they inspired people to try things, you know, like that was something that was really cool. Because every time you hear like, Someone mentions a flying car, everyone, someone goes, oh, yeah, like the Jetsons. So they might not have hit everything on the head, but they have inspired quite a few imaginations over the years. You know, I had mentioned this before the show went on. I don't know why they did not make try to make a live action Jetsons. I realize it would have been expensive, but, you know, the, the Flintstones that people remember those movies. It would be cool to have had a similar live action experience with the Jetsons. All I'm going to say is, my friend, based off our discussion a few minutes ago, give Hollywood half the chance. They just might do it. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against it at all because I feel like it's like prime for a family film. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But what are your thoughts out there on the Jetsons as it reaches 60? Meet George Jetson. His boy, Elroy. As it reaches 60 this year. Please let us know your thoughts on the Jetsons at 60 and what they got right and wrong and what you would still like to see in a world of Jetsons. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great time. I want to go ahead and mention before we head on out that this week for U.S. out there, as far as prime time, you've got a lot of stuff that are returning to television for their season premieres. In fact, this is probably the first full week of television shows that are coming out that people need to get back into as far as on a broadcast level. Plus, there's going to be stuff that's coming out on streaming. The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. There's a story on GameStop as far as that whole saga went down that you know all too well about that is going to debut on Netflix. There's some other stuff on streaming, but the focus for this week is going to be a lot on the return of a lot of primetime shows to broadcast television here in the U.S. But any last thoughts before we head on out? No, I mean, I'm sure as we move further into the holidays, there'll be a lot more pop culture things popping up. I know Hasbro is, I think they had their Hasbro Con or whatever, where they announced a bunch of new toys. So, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll hear from our friends Rob McCallan and Jay Bartlett about some of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting time going to be a lot of good stuff in pop culture and of course we're going to bring it to you all right here 
at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.